house. No, the right no, house. I did it. Get we want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. was a time of tradition, a time of values, a time... People who are different, their time is coming. ...to shake things up. Not in Baltimore, it isn't. Hurry up, Penny, we're missing it! Yes. Starla! Holly! Noreen! Doreen! And I'm... late. <laughs> so And I'm Motormouth Maybell, pitching rhythm your way. Dancing on that show is my dream. <laughs> Want to be one of the nicest kids in town? Cut school tomorrow and come audition. No one in this house is auditioning for anything. But mom. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast that knows what happens in a meadow at dusk. Nothing. Everything. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, Joe Reed. I am here, as always, with my co-host. It's Amber, Brad, Tammy, Fender, Brenda, Sketch, Shelly, IQ, Luann, Joey, Mikey, Vicky, Becky, Bix, Jesse, Darla, Paula, Noreen, Doreen, and he's... Chris. Chris File, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. I like I like the comparison that you had given me in that. I will accept that as I, I yes, thank the you. The Link to this podcast while I am the homely Penny Pingleton. And here we are. Is Penny, Penny, Pingleton, is, Penny is she supposed to be like Wallflower or is she supposed to be like She's supposed she's, to be like Lucy. She's Lucille Ball. Mm, I don't know if Amanda Bynes is quite delivering that in the movie, but we can talk about that. I mean, like, maybe Lucy on, like, uppers and downers at the same time. At the same time, yeah. Yeah. We can talk about Amanda. (laughs) The Judy cocktail. Listen, don't you be campaigning quite yet. It's not quite time for the Renee Zellweger campaign. Have we We... forgotten about that movie already? It really kind of has faded. It's it's going to be an this interesting. This is exactly what I said in September, just yeah. so that we're on the record that this would happen. But I don't know who's going to take that ball and run with it. Is it Charlize Theron? Bombshell is not a very good movie. Mm, I don't know if there's a anything. I mean, she can come back. She can come back. She can. Okay. Before we get going, I did want to mention, because we have one more week for our listeners to submit questions for our mailbag episode. Mailbag number Yay. two. Mailbag two, the sequel. Um, and we want to get your questions. The so holiday if you can... special. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The mailbag holiday special, much like the Downton Abbey special, where things happen and nothing quite matters. So, But this will very much matter. We will not your have questions. Value. We have value to us. So... Please hop onto Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz or pop us an email at hadoscarbuzz.gmail.com and ask us some questions. We know you'll make them good ones. The last time we had we had too many. Too many is the wrong word because that oh, we had we had a negative. We had a bevy of wonderful questions, so many that we could not fit them all in the same episode. And we absolutely love seeing that. We're already getting some great questions. So keep sending those in, guys. We're excited to see what you have for us. And one of those questions was so good, 
and so uh, insightful and so got us thinking so much that we thought, well, we have to have this person on as a guest. So... Um, yeah, we have a guest who did get a question into our last mailbag. He asked about the film Hairspray and why all the actors from Hairspray are have that film on their IMDb, which we love talking about the IMDb game. So we are so glad to welcome video producer and interviewer for the AV Club, co-host of the AV Club's Riverdale podcast, which is called Dial M for Maple, which is fantastic. Uh, it is the lovely Cameron Sheets. Cameron, Welcome. Hello, Hello, gentlemen. Hi. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. I think I've um, I've listened since the beginning, and I think I gushed to both of you separately in DMs that, like, nothing puts me in a better mood than seeing this in the podcast feed. That oh, I love warms my heart. So truly, truly, it does. Such an honor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for coming. And we kind of did things a little unorthodox for, <laughs> for you. We normally let the guests choose or like pick from our master list, but we were like, yeah, do you want to come on? By the way, you're doing Hairspray. Yeah, I didn't choose Hairspray. Hairspray chose me, you know? It's, it's just kind of how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> hairspray kind of chose all of us. It's such a special movie. It's been, I mean, I think that it's always been a point of fascination for me, but, you know, having listened to your podcast, as you mentioned, uh, I think it just kind of came up. I always search people on IMDb. Who doesn't? And... When I noticed that everyone was showing up for it, even like Christopher Walken and yeah. Allison Janney, who have been in any number of movies, I was like, what is going on here? Um, right. And of course, I had to take it to the experts, the two of you, to find the answer. And the Ultimately, answer is, yeah. Ultimately, who knows? Know. Ultimately, the chemistry that goes into... It's interesting. Once we're, we've, I've got a game lined up for us, and... Mm-hmm. I'll, once I explain what the game is, I'll explain what how it sort of ties into my feelings about the IMDb game algorithm. But um, it is ultimately it's an it's an alchemy of like several different things, and we can never quite know it. It's like the KFC herbs and spices recipe, and they'll never quite let it out into the public, and that's good. I think it should remain and it's maybe elusive not as interesting as we think it is too, because I was trying to come up a re- with <laughs> right. a reason for it for hairspray today, and I was like, mm-hmm. is it maybe the thing about the poster is that it's the number of images that like shows up for a person on IMDb, right. and hmm. what if it's just an boring. intern? What if it's just telling an intern <laughs> you are in charge of putting up the known fours for all the actors? And that in turn is a hairspray obsessive. <laughs> that, well, yeah, I was going to say Nikki Blonsky. Is it her? <laughs> that in turn is Nikki Blonsky. Hi, I'm Nikki Blonsky from the movie Hairspray. I actually, I had to DM my friend Ryan, Ryan McPhee, if you're out there, hello, um, and thank you. I was like, what is the origin of Hi, I'm Nikki Blonsky from the movie Hairspray? Mm-hmm. Because it's like all over Twitter, it's like the one thing that you see of her when you don't, when you're not reminded of her mom getting into a fight with. Um, Bianca from America's Next Top Model, which is also my favorite Nikki Blonsky story. But I was like, what is Hi, I'm Nikki Blonsky from the movie Hairspray? And he explained to me that she would just, like, tweet at various celebrities and, like, say complimentary things, but lead with Hi, I'm Nikki Blonsky from the movie Hairspray, and then end it with, like, we should (laughs) hang out sometime or something like that. So it's it's truly, I mean, I I salute that brand of... um, thirsty and graciousness like i i I appreciate it yeah i think that in certain ways that led to what gay twitter is now (laughs) (laughs) earnestness and the the blatant thirst yeah so thank you for that nikki yeah thank you you so much (laughs) truly what could we do without it yeah um so cameron we every week when we or every time when we have a guest 
especially if there's, it's their first time. Now that we're getting into to two-time guests, we'll have to really switch it up. Uh, but we like to ask our guests about their hmm. Oscars origin story, the sort of uh, what was the first memory that you have of something that tipped you off into the Oscars as, like, a thing to care about? Yeah, I mean... I think you know, movies have just always been something I, I did care about. And I, you know, you guys have talked a lot about Entertainment Weekly and what that meant to me as like a preteen and teen, especially the Oscars issues. But I think it really didn't click into place until, I guess, 2007, but then the Oscars of 2008, which is the hairspray year. Um, and that's due in part to, well, I had just turned 18. I had been working at a grocery store. Um, oh, wow. And nice. at 18, I was old enough to start working at Family Video, which... Um, Chris, I would imagine maybe you're familiar with? Yes. Yes. The chain, I think largely Midwest-based chain of video rentals, pretty exclusively DVD rentals at the time I was there, um, that is miraculously still around. Has Oh, no shit. It's super still around, (laughs) and you can still rent porn there. I was going to say, known for, one, always having scratch DVDs, but then also (laughs) having a porn section in the back. And And um, usually Little Caesars. Oh, yeah, connected. Yeah. Mine did not, and it was such a tragedy when it would be a snowy winter, and I would have to walk across the street to get cheap pizza instead of just, instead of just next door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. But the, um, yeah, that really, I mean, that was a formative time, of course, in general, just obviously that time in my life. Sure. I was there, and as an employee, the movies would come out um, largely on Tuesday, and you would get them in, like, Thursday, Friday in stock and would start getting everything ready, but they would, like, let the employees take everything home, and they would encourage you to watch it, of course. The yeah. more you know, the better you'll be able to... Sure, I of guess, course, make your recommendations. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that was huge for me. And again, it was this year, and this was such... I mean, you guys have talked about 2008 Oscars, I think, quite a bit uh, previously, and it's just such a big year. I mean, one, I was, like, particularly taken with No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood, but, like, yeah. looking through the nominees from that year, I don't know that there was anything that I didn't love it was a really good year i think it is a good oscar year 2007 is a good year for film and unlike like 1999 which was a great year for film and then the oscars kind of biffed it (laughs) i think the 2007 movie year led to a pretty strong oscars yeah and i mean not to set up a transition for you but i think how strong it was is probably a big part of the reason why hairspray didn't show up at all (laughs) it's true it's definitely true um Chris, where are you at with the two? Have we have we talked about your faves in 2007? I don't think we really have gotten into this Oscar year. I think some of I'd have to look up what the movies we've done and maybe it like keeps us kind of adjacent to it or like mm. specific to a race. This is probably the one that like broadly we could maybe talk a little bit more about the year. I think that like Hairspray when you watch it now or you think about it in context, especially the type of like money that it made and how well loved it was and like to again have just like biffed it with the Oscars when it like <laughs> landed with all these precursors. I think it's kind of a bunch of different things. I think the big thing that we forget about this Oscar year, especially like you look at that Oscar lineup and it makes a lot of sense. What we forget about is this is the writers strike year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, a movie like Hairspray probably needs at least that reminder when it gets that Golden Globe nomination, that SAG nomination, to, like, be on people's TV screens reminding them, oh, this is a movie that's, like, up for Best Picture honors. Don't you remember how much you loved this movie this last summer? And then 
cut to the end of the year when you have Sweeney Todd kind of sweeping in. I was about to say, that's an underrated factor there, is that you had... Because ultimately, movie musicals in the wake of Chicago... We've talked about that before, about how in the wake of Chicago, all the big movie musicals got got at least like a once over for awards mm-hmm. consideration. And Hairspray opened in the summer. It was not. It was a bigger critical success than I remember it being. I thought I remembered Me too. that like people took a couple years to really warm up to the idea that Hairspray was good. But like ninety one percent on Rotten Tomatoes is pretty good. And but I think what it was was that people looked at the calendar and were like, "Hairspray's the summer movie. That's the popcorn crowd pleaser, and Sweeney Todd is opening in December, so that's our awards play. And so we're gonna wait. And then by the time Sweeney Todd kind of disappointed, like relatively, I think you know Depp still got the nomination, but there were mixed mixed reviews certainly. Mm-hmm. By that time, Hairspray was already like siloed off into another area of the brain almost and i also think it's not just sweeney todd like i think sweeney todd is some of it because like obviously you look at this oscar lineup and they're more interested in grimmer movies sure um but like this is also the year of enchanted which i'm sure we can talk about when we get into james marsden but like that was a huge hit at the end of the year and people thought that amy adams could be nominated for that movie so it's like you can see a lot of factors kind of taking the winds out of the sails of something like Hairspray to be a potential Oscar nominee. Yeah, I definitely had to take stock of, well, I mean, just the fact that it opened in the summer. I mean, it makes sense tonally, but there aren't that, as far as big screen adaptations of musicals go, there aren't all that many that have opened in the summer. I feel like they're so traditionally like holidays, end of year, take your whole family around the holiday sort of thing. Right. But like what company does it have? It's got the Mamma Mia movies, of course. But then like Jersey Boys was a summer movie <laughs> musical, which is odd. Um, it's It was kind of, uh, maybe it's too big of a word for this, but it was kind of unprecedented at the time. <laughs> it's uh, You mentioned um, Mamma Mia. I, there was a little tidbit mm. in the Wikipedia page that I just wanted to mention where it said, Hairspray went on to become... Oh, no, wait, that was the part before. Um, mm. Broke the record for biggest sales in the opening weekend of a movie musical, which it held until the next summer, July 2008, when it was surpassed by Mamma Mia. And then later that year, that was surpassed in October by High School Musical 3, senior year, which, <laughs> you know, all it takes all kinds of culture, you know what I mean, to... Uh, <laughs> To build a record book, I suppose. I guess Hairspray isn't that far removed from High School Musical 3, particularly with the Efron Well, I was going to say that, too. Like, the people who probably didn't see Hairspray or, like, were more concerned with the more, uh, or I should say, like, less fluffy uh, material that they were potentially voting for, it makes you wonder, especially how this movie was promoted, if they weren't taking it seriously because they thought it was for kids and they didn't really know what the movie was because like this was at the height of like the high school musical thing mm-hmm. um and yeah. like i don't know you see bright colors in the summer it's like counter programming to transformers movies like even just like the post the posters are all full of like you know bright colors and pastels and stuff like that it's it's you know Marketing 101, I suppose. But before we get down um, this avenue too much, I should lay out the basics. Hairspray was directed by Adam Shankman. We'll get into that because, of course, 
iconic so you think you can dance judge adam shankman um written by leslie dixon based on the broadway musical book by mark o'donnell and thomas meehan which in turn was based on the 1998 movie hairspray written by john waters starring john travolta queen latifah michelle pfeiffer zach afron amanda Bynes, elijah kelly christopher walken james marsden Brittany snow allison janney and introducing nikki blonsky from the movie hairspray from the movie hairspray (laughs) Would you like to have a coffee? Um, premiered July 19th, 2007. It's all happening. Cam, as our guest, we li- always like to give our guests the opportunity to take 60 seconds and, you know, tell us about a little movie called Hairspray, if you feel like you're into it. <laughs> yeah, I've never in my life been called a concise person, but um, <laughs> I will do my best. All right. I've got my timer all set up for one minute. When you are ready, I will start it. Okay, I feel right. ready. Cam, your minute starts now. Okay, so Hairspray is, of course, about it's uh, Tracy Turnblad, who is, as she puts it, a pleasantly pump teen in 1960s Baltimore. I think the main thing we really know about her is that she loves the Corny Collins show, which is essentially this like proto-American bandstand teen dance show, which is hosted by the titular adult twink Corny Collins <laughs> and features Tracy cr- Tracy's crush, um, Link, who is also a twink, notably. Uh her efforts to get on the show are kind of time and again foiled by its producer, Velma, who is this blatant bigot. And she just barely tolerates the show's once a month Negro Day, which is hosted by Motormouth Maybell, which we'll get back to in a second. Um, but Tracy gets detention for cutting class. She becomes f- friends with Maybell's son, Seaweed. And then she's essentially an ally to the entire black community of Baltimore after that. Um, she wins Link over and nabs a spot on the show. Ten and then I guess as an act of revenge, Velma cancels Negro Day, which inspires a march. Um, Tracy escalates tensions and then they infiltrate Miss Teen Hairspray, save the day, and I guess racism is done. Time's up. <laughs> well done. Racism is done is the end of that Ooh. synopsis. Well done. <laughs> I It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that is where the movie does. Okay. While we're on that subject, very quickly. Tracy Turnblad as an ally, as a white ally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about pros and cons? Because, like, in some ways, good. In other ways, she is the one who bonks the police officer with her placard at the protest and gets everybody thrown in jail and then runs away. Is like the one <laughs> person to run away. Like, Tracy could do better, I feel like. Yeah, that was the one detail that, even though, I mean, I probably saw this last before rewatching it for this podcast, maybe only a year or so ago, but I never remember the detail that she really starts the issues at this at this protest march yeah and then she ducks out she really uh, does like literally just like sneaks on through the back of the crowd it's it's so it's something else yeah i think that like you could level the complaint that this is sort of a white savior movie but she also s- starts some of the issues too so maybe it's just like a white cleaning up her own issues movie i i don't know there's pro as i said pros and cons she uses her she uses her privilege as a cast member on the corny collins show to affect positive change which is good you know you, you take you take she it all yields as a, the microphone she does she yields the microphone you know True. uh little inez gets her moment in the sun with nobody else next to her which i thought was a very good moment um yeah. the other thing cam that you mentioned in your in your 60 seconds that i wanted to revisit is you bring up iconic twink both for Corny Collins and for Link Larkin, which is totally true. Is oh. the is the Corny Link dichotomy as neatly drawn as the wicked dichotomy between Fierro and Bach, where I feel like we're pretty clear on like who's a Fierro and who's a Bach. Like if you look at a given 
Broadway actor, you know what role they're they're going for in on an audition line, right? We're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Link Larkin originally played by Matthew Morrison in the <laughs> Broadway production. I'm trying Ooh, to remember who played Corny Collins, but I don't know if it was anybody. I super looked famous. up the Broadway cast. Oh, because I saw you. it in previews, and I mm. can't remember who this actor was. He was just a replacement on. Um, I'm going to look up his name so that I can say it. But he was a replacement on uh, the recent uh, My Fair Lady revival for Henry Higgins. Oh, um, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, Clark Thorell is the name of the original Corny Collins. The thing about Corny Collins is that Corny Collins on the stage is really not as much as James Marsden makes of it. He and really do, shines. Yeah. They do kind of foreground some of his lines in terms of like progress in terms mm. of like what the narrative thrusts thrusts of those scenes are in a way that I think like allows James Marston to shine like just as a choice that's made by the movie but like Corny Collins isn't that important on the stage if you look at who's played the two roles over the course like Lance Bass has been um stunt cast for Corny Collins but most of the good casting is on the Link Larkin side that's who Andrew Rannells played that's who Aaron Tveit played that's who I'm trying to look at this list here. Where did Nick Jonas play? Oh, the Hollywood Bowl. The the 2011 Hollywood Bowl production. With Marissa and Harvey Firestein. And Darlene Love is Motormouth Maybell. And John Stamos is Corny Collins. And then Nick Jonas (laughs) is Link Larkin. Okay, that... That, I think, is like... That sort of clarifies things for me a little bit, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um... James Marsden is giving 3,000% in this role, and he honestly deserved an Oscar nomination for it. Such a hunk. (laughs) I mean, he even turns the title track, which is not very interesting and really only exists in the stage show to, like, Mm. allow Tracy to have a costume change before the big finale. (laughs) Right. And, like, makes it a legitimately great number. His I, well, oh go ahead his Cam. dance moves his dance moves in those suits too I, I I couldn't get enough it's so charming it's it's intentional cheese in a way that like makes it perfectly like every time he does that little motion with his t- hands where he's like pointing two fingers like from his tip mm-hmm. and I was just like you're so perfect every and the way he gets the like corny on stage versus corny off stage because corny off stage is more you know. He's trying to battle back against Velma. He's got the right idea about wanting to integrate the show. And like and then on stage he's like plastered smile singing about like the nice white kids in the in the uh, nicest kids in town. And he just has all these sort of like motions where he'll like kick it to like uh Tracy, she'll do a dance and he'll like like wave his arm away at her or something like that. It's just like it's so perfect. And then his like the way James Marsden has a smile that is like can seem both like devastatingly sincere, but also just like so Ken doll plastic, and it's so and it works perfectly in Enchanted, also. And like same the, year, yeah. The fact that it was the same year is like, and that's why I would have like I normally don't. I've moved away from the idea of like critics awards for one performer for two performances. Like you got to stand on your own with mm-hmm. one, but like those two performances dovetailed so perfectly together that like. Mm-hmm. I wish he had gotten more traction. It's, I know it's tough. It's when been he's a like, bummer that like it never really kind of paid off in the way that we thought. And like he mm-hmm. did get like leading roles from this yeah. like one two punch that he has, but none of them were in anything great. And even like when he's in Westworld, 
Like, he's the most non-entity of the whole... Yeah. Is he in season two? I didn't watch season two. He is, but I it's... I didn't either. It's... He's definitely so far, like, down the line of the most interesting person. Like, you... Everybody basically laps him in terms of fan interest that, like, by the end or of season Or, like, two, even simply doing anything. Right. Right. Yeah, he's now, he's pretty well, if he comes, I don't know who's coming back for season three on Westworld, but if he does come back and they don't drastically alter what's going on with him, that, like, ultimately I think he's probably better off free of that show and on something else. He's um, one of those actors that his good looks work largely against him, but, like, Hairspray and uh, Enchanted did something interesting and like unexpected mm-hmm. with it and kind of ironic, especially with Agreed. Enchanted, where he gets to play someone stupid. Maybe yeah. he's just one of those actors, like I was saying with Mark Wahlberg last week, where it's like they should just play stupid more often. Yeah, I mean, I maybe know. that's it. It's I I feel like he's able to do a lot with his his image, but I do get what you're saying that like a, a lot of the times it sort of like boxes him in. Um, we just want to be like upfront about like we all think that like Hairspray is a fantastic movie musical. Yes, yes, but, yes, okay. yes. I, yes, 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 yes. I was gonna and say like, that we got to get that out of the way. This is such a fun. It's so fun. It's what so fun. And I think there was a lot of people, like me included, especially when Travolta was cast, and I was just like, hmm. is that the right idea? Like, what's going on? And he's the weirdest part about this movie. Oh my god! And yeah. sometimes, like, the movie never quite falters but like the closest it comes to faltering sometime is when he'll he takes the movie closest to stepping out of itself that it ever comes and ultimately i think it stays on the right side but it's just such a well it's also like it moves this thing does not lag between numbers it's i watching it again there's I was a amazed. million numbers in this it's a million numbers there's so and much singing and dancing they're, they're all, all memorable yeah there's like five to yep. six perfect musical numbers in this in this musical mark shaman deserves to have an egot if nothing else for like this reason like he's such a good songwriter and like good morning baltimore is such a perfect kickoff song i don't remember who i don't remember at the time it might have been nathaniel rogers who mentioned that like the minute you see tracy riding to school on the top of that garbage truck (laughs) you're like they've got the aesthetic like they've got the tone of this movie perfectly like you're in good hands the brief moment right before that where she waves down the garbage truck driver and he kind of like he's like he doesn't know what to do with her at all it's so funny And then that moves. they cast John Waters in the dirtiest <laughs> joke in yep. the sanitized version of his already not that dirty movie where they right. make him be the flasher. It's so good. Um, and the flasher who lives next door, too, is like the greatest cut, is the greatest <laughs> little bit. Um, and then how quickly it transitions from that right into Nicest Kids in Town. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, boring parts where they're just talking in the high school and whatever. Like, it knows... It's confident enough to know that it's going to be able to communicate everything to you through the songs, that it doesn't need to have a whole lot of, like, dead space in between, which is so good. And, like, I don't know. I could just, like, 
<laughs> rave about the songs all day. Like, mm-hmm. You're Timeless to Me, which is like kind of a weird song because you have two people who can't sing um, <laughs> delivering it. But it's so heartfelt and like warm hearted and the lyrics of it are so sweet, you know, while at the same time being very like silly and weird. Um, I was like very uh, Gomez and Morticia Adams kind of between them, which is always charming. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask just in general, if uh, what are your what are each of your favorite songs from this? Oh, Oh, man. I mean. Chris, do you have a good answer and can let me think, or, or should I? I know for you? that it's. I mean, like, okay. The thing about this musical is, like, you can't really have like a boring mm-hmm. answer to it because when the numbers are great, they're great. I really do think it's Good Morning Baltimore, and I really do think it's You Can't Stop the Beat. I think it's it's bookended by such great songs, and I Perfect and I think musical numbers. I think Good Morning Baltimore is probably the better song, and I like the production number aspect mm-hmm. of You Can't Stop the Beat, because and I mean, and this, in the movie version, cuts out some key moments. It cuts out the Von Tussles little moment. And I was going to say, the thing that's better about You Can't Stop the Beat in the movie is that, like, it happens much more quickly, whereas on the stage, that song takes, like, last like 25 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's totally I, like, true. Apparently, you can't stop the beat. <laughs> I've got to sing the praises of um, I Can Hear the Bells, which I think is oh. a yes. funny, pitch-perfect I Want song. And, yes. Uh, the way it's staged in this, where she's, you know, kind of drifting through school pushing people out of the way is is so so funny this yep. is like i think that's such a great showcase for nikki i can hear the bells my ears are ringing i can hear the bells the bridesmaids are singing everybody says that a guy who's such a gem won't look my way while the Yeah. Can we talk about the legend of Miss Baltimore Crabs for half a second? (laughs) Okay, I do think that that is maybe where it could go. I know that people would have murdered Adam Shankman and everyone involved with the movie if Michelle Pfeiffer didn't get to sing in this movie. But that number, especially I think in the movie, can go. I'm torn on Pfeiffer because I think she strikes the exact perfect image of Velma, which is like icy cold, cruel, like, she's your bad guy for sure. And we know Michelle Pfeiffer can sing because we all saw the Fabulous Baker Boys and she's fantastic in that. But and like, Grease 2, Madam. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm consistently devaluing Grease 2 because I think it's... You need a cool writer. <laughs> uh, I only just made the Grease connection with John Travolta yeah. in the first. And wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I don't... I don't know what we get out of her voice with Miss Baltimore Crabs. It's a very, it's like a funny song and it's like, it's obviously like important for the plot because it gets you to her like, you know, shunning Tracy and what that, but well, she, I, well, yes, because of that little sequence where it's actually Tracy's audition. Right. But yeah, it's that. And it's the villain statement of purpose song, which is, is yes, I think pretty yeah. crucial, but it should be I mean, funnier and it's not. Yeah. And I think it's not I, I because think... of Pfeiffer's limitations. I think she gets a better and funnier musical showcase later on when she has that reprise of Big Blonde and Beautiful. Yes. I think that that's one of her better scenes opposite Christopher Walken in that shop where yes. she's just so over his 
his pranks and his little gags. Oh, yeah. It's He's so well cast, too, because essentially that role is like a Christopher Walken type, like a weird, you know... I still see the original casting, and it kind of bumps me out because I want to love Christopher Walken, but it was originally supposed to be Billy Crystal, and it would have been perfect. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh, now that I'm thinking about that, that would have been Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 you're right, though. I'm I'm trying to, like, go through the rest of the cast. I was going to say, to sing the praises of somebody we haven't talked about yet, I do think some of the... Other weaker songs are all Motormouth Maybells, and Queen Latifah does so good with the songs. Like, yes. yeah. on the stage, I think those are some of the, like, weaker numbers. And I don't know. It's not, of course, it's like Queen Latifah. We want to see Queen Latifah in a screen musical, like, all the time. But, yeah. like, she... There's something so unassuming about her screen presence that, like... It just feels like very light and easy, and like she's really good. You, you're, I you're, don't know. you're happy whenever she's on the screen in this. Yeah. Question to the group: um, Are Motormouth Maybell and Corny Collins have they done it? <laughs> like, I think they're definitely like in cahoots. Like they have like talked behind the scenes and Corny. But they Collins. have they have like one late night at the at the studio where like it all tumbled over into. Uh, into passion and now they're like co-conspirators with a little bit of a secret i think absolutely thank you yeah i mean thank you i i I would co-sign that i think that i mean that's partially like always what's behind james marsden's eyes but is that there is a little bit of a hunger there in a way that i i I like that theory (laughs) james marsden was once close enough to me for me to reach out and touch him and i didn't and i still to this day am impressed with my restraint um He's in person. If you think he's good looking in a movie, in person, it's like times 100. It's really, really like it's one of those movie star things for sure. And this was this was at a screening of The Box, which is his worst movie. And even (laughs) with that. Until Sonic comes out. (laughs) Oh, God. I forgot (laughs) that he's in Sonic. Oh. Yeah. See, in in all the hubbub to fix Sonic, he should have found a way to like (laughs) get out of it somehow. Yeah. Well, not to derail the J- Marsden train. Oh my goodness, I'm conjuring all the thoughts. Oh my. Not to derail that entirely. Well, uh, but I, I have seen. Um, I got to see Queen Latifah play at Hollywood Bowl, uh, and oh, she did wow. a lot of standards. But uh-huh. she closed the show um, with "I Know Where I've Been," and it was really powerful in that setting. But also worth noting that that was, if not the day, the day after that Craig Zayden passed. Which um, so this was oh, kind of wow. like she closed things out with a tribute to him. She said that he like basically made her career which i mean i don't know that they had worked together before chicago but obviously that really helped her break through in a bigger Mm way you can't stop the beat i did want to throw in speaking of adam shankman and you can't stop the beat that that summer was the third season of so you think you can dance my favorite season and he was the choreographer for the opening number the one week. And I think it was like the week that Hairspray opened. So he fully, shamelessly used it as a chance to shill for his movie, which more power to him. He chore- choreographed that. a big, like, top 20 dance number to You Can't Stop the Beat. And it was like using the exact choreography from the movie. Like, no, you know, no bit was wasted. And it was so good. And it was like, and it made you just be like, oh, okay, like, this movie is going to, at the very least, have some freaking great choreography. And for as much as, like, Adam Shankman has, like, shown his limitations as a director, hmm. 
that he's like he's a really good like Broadway choreographer this way or like whatever like musical musical comedy choreographer. It's also like a movie that's not like edited with a chainsaw, which like a lot of musicals these days, like Chicago mm-hmm. especially, have that problem where it's like you can't just watch people fucking dance in a musical anymore. And yeah. Hairspray like lets you see the choreography and it's all like fun and amazing and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that and also it's just all staged pretty... I mean, it they didn't really change a whole lot from the stage version. I mean, it feels like a lot of these are... I mean, all these scenes are just on smaller soundstage sets for the most part. Right. Like, it feels very much like they kind of lifted it off the stage and put it in the movie. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm i not the most... I, I should have said up front, I'm not the most familiar with the stage version at all, but... I know, I've I mean, never it seen it. It feels to me like a pretty faithful adaptation. Ooh. No, it very much so is. Um, they, I mean, like, they beef up Corny Collins, or at least kind of appears that way. Um, but, like, yeah, largely it does, things don't change. I guess you get more of Penny's mom, played by Alice and Janney, mm-hmm. partly because it's just, like, Alice and Janney, and they just, like, let her rip on the set <laughs> that day. But that role is originally played in like a multi-track part where it's also like a gym teacher and something else. And mm-hmm. the original person on, um, was it Jackie Hoffman? It w- uh, I'm th- trying to remember if Jackie Hoffman was original or a replacement. I think she was original. I see. That's a good because, Jackie like, Hoffman role. Yeah. Definitely. I saw this with my grandmother and my father and we all like d- key into my family we were all like in love with kissing jessica stein so when oh yeah we yeah, yeah, saw yeah. jackie hoffman that's we so were funny. like oh my god it's, it's yeah it's, i think ellison janney is so funny in her moments oh. the moment where she sees penny on tv uh kissing seaweed and then she like jumps up from her couch and like fully like swan dive pratfalls over her coffee table <laughs> i'm just like that is commitment right there she's really she's just like genuinely fantastically funny in this all of the ends of her sentences were made up in her own head like they let her ad lib <laughs> yes wait yeah, to highlight another Janny moment she when she um is essentially locking uh tracy in in like their doomsday prepper basement, right yeah she ends with the line don't you touch my canned tuna and i have to <laughs> it's, it's so good i like when when uh uh penny is uh, listing off all of the things that are in the bomb shelter, and she ends with mm. Russian language manuals, and I was just like, "That's a good little, that's a good little twist. I like that." Those little lines and asides like that is what this movie does really well, and I think it's just a testament to the strong ensemble that everybody yeah. has those tiny little moments they throw out there that really stick with you. Yeah, um, I want to mention Brittany Snow's skill with playing a terrible person at this point in her career <laughs> where like she's so, so relentlessly good. awful that like at so, at so many points in this movie other characters sort of like look at her and are like what is your like what are you like she's so mean she's just so relentlessly mean and it's perfect and she's she's somebody who the first thing i ever saw her in was an episode of nip tuck where she played a white supremacist yes. so like Already, like I always knew that she could play. It's so funny to me that she's actually transitioned to this point in her career where she now normally plays like characters you like, characters you root for, who you want to like, you know, see succeed with like Pitch Perfect and whatnot. Mm. And 
good for her for making that transition because like at some point she was only playing terrible people and was doing it so well. Well, this show isn't broadcasted. Cinema Stone. And then Ephron too, I did want to mention because I think this movie, I think he's good in this movie, but I think this movie got Zac Efron about two or three years too early in his career. And I think in about two or three years, he would have been able to give Link a little more, I don't know, a little more spark, a little more edge. Like, I feel like at this point, the movie is sort of is dragging him along. And I think with a little bit more confidence in his abilities, he would have been able to really like make that part his own. Yes or no? Yes, but is the movie... I don't want to say complacent, but is the movie happy with him just being a pretty face and a pretty voice? Because yeah, I don't I, I know wonder... if it w- needs Link to be more than that. Mm-hmm. I wondered if that was the point, kind of. I mean, he's like singing at a picture frame later in the movie and then into a Baby Ruth bar. I, I think <laughs> that's supposed to be, you know, the, the vap in this. Well, I mean, I think that he is pretty great in this. And this reminds me of uh, my friend Fran Hoffner had written this piece in the past. And she's long said that Zac Efron is much better served as a character actor uh, than these weird leading roles he's trying i mean extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile i guess kind of straddles the line of the two of this lead i i I, but that was that was kind of a mess but i think he's he's so much better in something like this or in neighbors where he's just able to lean into the absurdity of who he is and that Mm -hmm. emptiness there Uh, i mean i i find him pretty charming in this so yeah i do too yeah oh and shout out fran fran come on our podcast we would love to have you if you're listening um I just think it's such a good cast. It's such a good cast. It's such a good musical. Mm-hmm. Nobody's bad. Maybe Christopher Walken is not like exceptional, but he's very sweet and like that's all you kind of need. Yeah, it's baseline Walken for but, sure. But like everybody's wonderful. Elijah Kelly is wonderful. Oh. Yeah, Elijah Kelly is great. I I loved him so much in um, the Wiz, the Wiz live on NBC. I wish we could give him more opportunities to be great because i really did love him is does that does that romance with him and penny get more time on the stage or is that just all we get ever um i i uh, here's what changes in the movie versus the stage some things are moved around a little bit so that relationship it feels like you get most of it at once whereas the movie feels like it kind of stretches it out in little tiny bits throughout um whereas like Seaweed doesn't come in until the run and tell that number, which is close to the end of the first act. At least I'm pretty sure you don't see him until then. So it's like, it's it feels more, con- their relationship feels more condensed on stage. I yes. Hmm. And Penny on stage was Carrie Butler, one of my very favorites. Carrie Butler in the first... One of the funniest fucking performances I've ever seen on stage. Her is Penny? Yes. Really? Oh, that's funny. I love her. Carrie that Butler. Me, oh, go ahead, Kim. Well, that makes me think of Amanda Bynes in an interesting way because I think she is good in this and she's understated. But I, you know, I would never come away from this movie saying that that was like such a funny performance. Right. So I wonder where she kind of diverted from the stage version. Then, well, one of the big numbers that gets cut is the three moms with their daughters. It's "Mama, I'm a Big Girl Now." You can hear it in the credits of the movie because, like, they have it's between. Uh, Nikki Blonsky from the movie Hairspray 
uh, Ricky Lake from the John Waters movie Hairspray and Marissa Tara Winokur. Um, oh, was that who's in the closing credits, singing the closing credits? Song? Yes, yes, it's I love the that. it's the three nice. Tracys. But like, you do get many more of Penny on the stage. Um, she's basically attached to the hip of Tracy, right? Oh, that's very interesting. Whereas, like, Amanda Bynes gets fourth billing in this, and she's not in very much of it. Mm-hmm. The first Broadway musical I saw after I moved to New York was Xanadu, the roller skating musical Xanadu starring Carrie Butler. And I immediately, like, at first act intermission, I was like, I love her. Like, I have decided, it's that, like, I have decided to stand. There's no, I have no choice but to stand. Like, mm-hmm. it was that. I didn't have the vocabulary to say it that way, but that's what I meant. Um, she was fantastic. And the, her co-star in Xanadu normally was Cheyenne Jackson, who, and Cheyenne Jackson's thighs and short shorts, which I think got, like, more publicity than maybe even he did for that musical. And for some reason, he was out for that show. And so his replacement... Didn't he get injured? Yes, that's what it was. He got injured. You're totally right, because it's in roller skates and it's a you know flying death trap. Um, he got injured, and so filling in for him was Curtis Holbrook, who is in Hairspray as, like, the lead uh, boy, nicest kid in town. He doesn't really get to do much, but, like, he's always at the front of the line. He's Brad at the front of the line of whatever. Um, and he's, every once in a while, dances with Britney Snow when Link is, has moved on to Tracy. But that's a little Hairspray connection for everybody to enjoy. I love that. So let's talk about why this had Oscar buzz. I think this could be one of those ones where people might sort of look at us cockeyed because again, I think it's, I think it's been so Mm. much in our brains as like a popcorn movie, a, Mm -hmm. you know, or even just like a silly movie that it wouldn't ever attract Oscar attention. But, but it stuck around in that season for yeah. a long time. And like I think it ultimately this... was not an Oscar nominee for some of the things that I said earlier, but like it was a Globe Best Picture nominee. It in a year that Enchanted was not and could have been. Yeah. It was a SAG Ensemble nominee. I think that's the big one. I think the SAG Ensemble nomination mm-hmm. makes me feel like if it was a top 10 year that year and this was 2 years before it started, if it was a top 10 year that year, I think Hairspray gets in in that top well, 10. Well, I still wonder because we if we had one of those only nominated for Best Picture movies, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't, right, I don't know. Yet. Yeah, and I also wondered then, does, you know, if we did have more than five nominees, is that where Sweeney Todd comes into play again? I mean, I, I know mm-hmm. that the critical yeah. or Enchanted, wasn't as, or Enchanted, right, which I think was pretty beloved. So wait, so we have our five nominees that year for Best Picture were No Country for Old Men, uh, there will be blood, Juno, Atonement, my beloved Atonement, <laughs> and our fifth was Michael Clayton, my beloved Michael Clayton. What a great year that was! Yeah, Holy it's a crap. great best picture lineup. And then, so the, the the director nominee that wasn't a best picture nominee was the Diving Bell and the Butterfly, which oh my gosh! So like that's that's let's say six. Even though I think there's a I chance I wouldn't be so, yeah that would make sense to me as a lone director nominee in an expanded year Julian like Schnabel like yeah War. yeah mm-hmm. that's very possible but so your other nominees that year sorry now I'm going to bring up that Oscars um someone <laughs> someone vain I mean I wonder Livia Rose maybe Livian Rose's possibility for sure Marion Cotillard was very popular that year um I kind of think that Charlie Wilson's war could have gotten 
Wow, really? That that's yeah, interesting. I mean, like think of like the post getting through. Sure, but the post got good, like got way better reviews, <laughs> I think, than Charlie Wilson's mm. War did. I think Charlie Wilson's um, War was like floating on like. Philip Seymour Hoffman was sort of floating on the, uh, to use a Titanic analogy, like the, the door of no country or, uh, Charlie Wilson's <laughs> War. You know what I mean? Like the, the wreckage was in the water and it was, and, and Philip Seymour Hoffman sort of stayed afloat atop of it. Okay. Do you think, I think, uh, American Gangster would have probably gotten in. Yes. I agree what with that. What do you think about Into the Wild? Because... Maybe I feel maybe I'm being hypocritical because I think Charlie Wilson's War could have, but because Into the Wild didn't even get that screenplay nomination, I wonder about that. Right, but going into that year's nominations, it had gotten way more. Yeah, uh, like it was precursor shocking. stuff. Like Penn was getting all of the precursor stuff for director. I think he got a DGA nomination, if I'm not mistaken. Um. It was that movie was expected to be like I think when Atonement showed up as a Best Picture nominee, people were surprised that it wasn't Into the Wild, and maybe that indicated that like Oscar voters just didn't like it. But I think the other possibility is just like it was like a close sixth on a lot of in a lot of yeah. these different categories. But yeah, this was a this was a very spread out year. This was famously the year where Michael Clayton got three acting nominations, and then no other movie got more than one. So, like, so mm-hmm. many movies got, like, one acting nomination or a screenplay nomination here or there. So it's A lot tough. of stuff came from, like, early in the season having already been thought to drop out, like, um, yeah. the whole Best Actor lineup, like Tommy Lee Jones, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. So I think, yeah, so you take your five that got Best Picture. I think you add American Gangster. I think that's a good six. Maybe Into the Wild is Ratatouille. seven. Ratatouille is eight. And then your nine oh. and ten, it's a lot of different movies. And I think Hairspray could have definitely been one of them. Born Ultimatum, even? Maybe. That's a possibility. That one best editing, It's right? a really spread out year, which like you would think would benefit a movie like Hairspray. Yes. Because it's like the splashy, fun, enjoyable, like incredibly competently made. Yeah. Starry cast. Yeah. Maybe other movies just check off the boxes. Like, obviously, the, like, uplifting crowd pleaser is Juno in that lineup. Right. And then, like, you have all these other musicals siphoning off right. the other pieces. Without looking, can either one of you guess what won Best Visual Effects that year? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. What do we got? Is this the year the Golden Compass won? Yes. The Golden Compass. Yes. Like, notorious... Wow franchise non-starter like huge failure killed new line as a studio and now is like coming back finally um on hbo won an oscar for best visual effects you can never quite success is never quite the barometer that we think it is when it comes <laughs> it, to i know it was nominated against transformers and it was like it was that thing that it, I I never put too much stock in it, but it was like, oh, they didn't vote for it because the movie's so terrible. Yeah. What else was it nominated against? Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which at that point, that was the Ugh. third one. We were, I think, really sick mm-hmm. of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies by that point. And like that third one I thought was really bad. So 
Yeah, it's interesting. Was that? Oh, that's still when I was just three. Only three, okay. yeah. I mean, I guess I would have given it to the Golden Compass too out of that field. Uh, right. I love the polar bears, so. <laughs> right, yeah, and I think that that's... blimp sure looked shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Are either one of you watching the TV show? I watched nope. the premiere, and that was it. I'm kind of into it. I'm still, I'm still probably a couple episodes behind, but I think I'm sticking around. If nothing else, for James McAvoy and his sweaters, but mm-hmm. like that's not an inconsiderable the skunk stripe. Right, exactly. The the Travolta thing this year was weird because I think there was a little bit of... He got a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actor in a Musical Comedy. But I also feel like there was a little bit of a push for him to get a Supporting Actor nomination at the Oscars, which is always sort of tricky to nail. I don't think there was a lot of consensus behind the campaign, if I remember correctly. I think you do remember correctly. And I think that was part of the thing. But I also feel like part of it is... I tried to sum up what I thought of watching him in this movie, and I think it's the exact opposite of what they say the Uncanny Valley is. <laughs> Where, like, the idea of the Uncanny Valley as, like, a artificial intelligence or a robot or something that is so close to real life that it becomes disturbing because it shouldn't be so close, and it's this, like, paradox – and I think it's the exact opposite with Travolta playing Edna Turnblad, where, like, everything is so wrong from, like, the look of it to Travolta's, like, voice to his, like, and his voice and his accent are both two separate things that both feel very mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. And and I just, like, <laughs> I think it is deeply, genuinely funny. I I like him in this movie. I laughed out loud at the the line that ends with hoi polloi. Yes. (laughs) Rum and Coke with the hoi polloi. Yeah. I mean, to me, like, this accent from Travolta is, like, a one-to-one with, like, what Julianne Moore did for Boston accents in 30 Rock. Oh, my God. Like, fully leaning in in a way that I think was knowing, I have to imagine, and meant to be very funny. Because it was. I mean, I I think it was, I think it was a funny performance. Costuming aside, makeup aside, that was horrifying. That's the, the makeup is doing something else. I swear <laughs> to God, um, it's funny that you mentioned the hoi polloi line because it's so funny. Because like that's not what hoi polloi means. Like everybody sort of like <laughs> thinks that hoi polloi means like fancy schmance, and the hoi polloi is like the like the rabble kind of. And there's this like there was this famous like family family argument in my family one time where one of my great uncles accused my grandmother on the other side of the family of thinking she was all up with the hoi polloi. And that was like notorious forever as being just like, I can't believe it. And then finally, the one year I'm just like, you all know that's not what that means, right? Like, it's like, that is not what hoi polloi means. Nobody cared. At that point, it all passed into, into legend. <laughs> um, it's so, yeah. The problem with the Travolta makeup is his eyes. Like, you can never... The eyes is like the uncanny valley part Mm -hmm. of it to me because you can't ever like see, you can see his facial expressions, but like it never feels always like you're looking like at a person. Right, his eyes are buried under. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's true. Maybe that's not where he's an expressive actor to begin with, but when he's buried underneath a bunch of makeup, (laughs) I don't know. But Mm, I do think it's a good performance. I mean, and the dancing at the end is. Unimpeachable. I don't. Yeah, I think that's why you hire him. I think that's why you hire him is so that at some point at the end, he can dance. And I think that's you get everything you want out of him, and it's totally good. And again, it's coming in a tradition from coming from Harvey Firestein, who gave a Tony-winning performance in a musical where he couldn't sing a word of it, and it's Mm. just perfect anyway. And 
I think that the fact that it comes from this, like, it's the third iteration of this thing that's been so wrong it's right since 1988. And ultimately, that gives you a little bit of leeway. And the movie took its leeway and spent and sort of spent it on Travolta doing this. And, like, <laughs> it wor- it works. It just barely works. But I do think it works. The question I had for Travolta, to the, I'm going to put to the both of you, is do you think he ever gets an Oscar nomination again? And no. do you think he could have before the Adele Dazeem situation? <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I you, think he could yeah. have after Adele Dazeem, but not before, not after they presented together and he wouldn't stop touching her goddamn face. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I... I mean, I would add though, it's not. It wouldn't be for a lack of trying because I think infamously he there was a for your consideration campaign with his performance in Gaudi. Yes, and there I was. I saw on Twitter that there is one for his role in the fanatic, which was that he is roundly trashed. I put I like took a shot from Deadline one day of that FYC ad, and I said, "You have got to be kidding me!" <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, but yeah, apparently he is self-funding it just as he did with Gaudi. I always think about like what would be what would be the kind of role that would get him that like one more nomination. Because like clearly he's like a Hollywood favorite son. Like he'll always get at least a benefit of the doubt. And but I do feel like Adele Dazeem was a corner turned. And I really feel like and it's just like now all that's all anybody can think of sometimes when they look at him and kind of for good reason. And it did really feel like I think we've never fully gotten to the bottom of whether that was, like, temporary aphasia, or he just, like, <laughs> couldn't read it and got really obstinate and was just like, I'm just going to say whatever letters pop into my brain. It's an both for as much attention as it got, we almost haven't studied it far enough. Like, I don't know. I feel like what a moment oh. for everybody. Uh, the moment of the decade. Really. Yes. Adele Dazeem has never stopped being funny. Yes. Adele Dazeem is still probably my favorite Oscar memory of the past decade. <laughs> I also, like, for as much as we know that Adina Menzel sometimes struggles to hit a note, let, let's let that sit there and lie there for everybody. Oh, man, it's going to be an interesting Oscar. It telecast. is going to be an <laughs> interesting Oscars, but I do absolutely believe that that did no favors for her in, t- in terms of, like, throwing her off her game. Right. Imagine you're I having your I've one read big moment. an interview with her where she said she didn't even know that it happened until after. That is a lie. But maybe I'm wrong. I believe that is a lie. I, that's what I will go on record as saying. <laughs> that is a face-saving, um, I don't know. I don't know what do- that is. Okay, so she performs at this next year's Oscar at the Oscars. Does do they bring Travolta back? Oh, no, please I do it. I think they have to do a gag where they cut to backstage where they have him like tied down <laughs> and with like a cannibal Lecter mask over his like face, so he can't say anything until she's done with her performance, and then and then he's finally free, and then let him like present Best Picture or something. It's I don't weird. Think he'll show up to an Oscar telecast if he can't like mm-hmm. promote his movie. Like he has to be able to like mention the fanatic directed by Fred Durst <laughs> on the Oscar <laughs> ceremony if he's going to show up for any reason whatsoever. Oh my god. All right. So Travolta of course famously nominated twice. The first time was for Saturday Night Fever, which was not a 
musical film, but was a film that was greatly sort of tied to the music of its era. And I sort of started to think about where he was looking to become a actor nominated for a musical performance for Hairspray, and it didn't happen. But like that is since the musicals sort of like fell out of favor the idea of getting nominated for a performance in a musical, it's not exactly rare, but it's like, it's maybe a couple of handfuls of performances, right? So I decided mm-hmm. I would make a game out of this in terms of trying to get you guys to guess the names of the actors who have been nominated for performances in musicals since Travolta's nomination for Saturday Night Fever in 1977. Most most of them, I will say, the 80s were a real desert for musicals. So, like, (laughs) you guys are pretty safe that most of these are going to come from the 2000s. Great. So what I have done is I have gone to IMDb and picked out their top uh, four films by IMDb rating. Okay. And so I'll start with... Say it's Chris's turn first. Chris, you'll get this this unknown person's top IMD rated, uh, IMDb rated film. And if you can't guess it from that, then it'll go to Cam, and then it'll go back through the f- top four films, and then if none of you can get it, nobody gets the point. But you guys will be All able right. to get it through at least two. These aren't these aren't like super obscure and hard. Um, and you guys will sort of get the hang of it once we go through there. I have not named this game because I didn't. So <laughs> Fair. sorry. Um, Cam, as our guest, you get the option to go first or second. Um, let's have Chris go first. All right. Pass the buck. Chris, Yay. you're going to go first. So I will give okay. you the name of the top-rated movie based on IMDb um, for this actor. Ready? And I have to guess the actor. Guess the actor who was nominated for a performance in for a musical. For a musical performance. Yes. Since 1977. All right? Okay. Um, and give the film... You should be able to give the film no no problem, but like give the actor in the film. So this person's top rated film on IMDb is The Help. I will say for this question only, the correct answer for only the first film it pertains to two different actors. But then once we get into the second movie, then it only becomes one actor. It's male actors, right? No, uh, sorry, I meant I mean actor oh, okay. in the SAG sense. Of male actor uh, it's Emma or Stone actor. for La La Land. It is Emma Stone for La La Land. Her top four are The Help, Birdman, The Favorite, and Zombieland. And this is where I started thinking: Is favorite. this where they get their known fours from? But it's not. These are not mm. the same as their known fours. So, um, all right, Cam. So that's one point to Chris. Chris, can you keep score for me? Yes. Thank you. All right, Cam, your film, top-rated IMDb film, is Traffic. Oh, my goodness. Um, what actor's oh, top-rated uh, film is Traffic? Catherine Zeta-Jones. It is Catherine Zeta-Jones from Chicago, yeah. 2002 nominee for Chicago. Her other f- top four IMDb-rated films are High Fidelity, The Terminal, <laughs> what, <laughs> and <laughs> Side Effects. Um, Shout out to our future Terminal episode. Yeah, the Spielberg effect really going into play there. All right, so one point apiece. Chris. Yes. What actor or actress's top-rated film on IMDb is The Prestige? Uh, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman, Les Miserables. Nominee for Les Miserables in 2012. His other not three... Not the greatest showman. <laughs> <laughs> right, not the greatest showman, unfortunately. His other three after the prestige are Logan, Prisoners, X-Men, Days of Future Past, which is kind of funny. Uh, this one, Cam, for you, kind of a layup, but go for it. Um <laughs> Sound of Music, The Sound of Music, 1965. Oh, wow. Um, well, just given that you said 
is fairly recent, my brain is going to Christopher Plummer because that man has not stopped acting. But I'm but blanking. was he nominated for a musical? Right. No. No. Oh, also the other thing, and I, this doesn't necessarily pertain to this movie, but I have also done the Golden Globe thing of like sometimes if it's a movie that has them singing a lot, but it's not strictly a musical, uh-huh. I count it. So that. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's fine. But this, I would say, counts as a musical. Don't overthink it is what I will suggest to you. Yeah. Well, it's, if it, if it's not if it's not Christopher, then it would be Julie. I'm, I'm drawing blanks. It is Julie Andrews in Chris file. Can you come up with Victor movie? Victoria? Victor Victoria, nineteen eighty two's Victor Victoria. Her other I'm a little further back. Yeah. Her other films are Mary Poppins, Despicable Me. Come on, guys. Come on, IMDb, <laughs> and the Americanization of Emily from nineteen sixty four. All right, Chris file. So yes. actually, if we're doing one point for film and one point for actor. Let's do that. So, get, so Cam oh, gets great. a point for the actor, but but uh, oh, not for I the love film. a half point. <laughs> right, love so. a half point. Okay. All right, Chris. Yours is Stranger Than Fiction, two thousand six. Whose top-rated film on IMDb fiction. is Stranger Than Fiction? Who is in that? That's Will Ferrell, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Emma Thompson. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, who am I forgetting in this movie? Uh, is it Maggie Gyllenhaal for Crazy Heart based off of your rules? It is not, but that is a very good oh, guess based on smart. my rules. All uh, right. Cam, all right, you get the second film. So this person's second film is The Secret Life of Bees. Oh. What? Oh. No. Oh, wait. Who else is in Stranger Than Fiction beyond who you just named? Oh. Am I on the right track at all? <laughs> you are. So this person's top two films in IMDb are Stranger Than Fiction and The Secret Life of Bees. I met, well, I mean, Chris, did that clue clue you in anymore? Should I pass pass it back? On I to you? don't think so, but I'm gonna guess it if you pass it to me. Uh, I'm passing. I'm passing. All right, Chris. Is Jennifer getting... Hudson for Dreamgirls. Is she wait, in Stranger Than Fiction? Wait, Chris, you get a third movie before you have to guess. Oh, oh. Uh, this person's third. Top-rated film on IMDb is called Miracles from Heaven from 2016. Okay, I'm still... I don't <laughs> think I know what that is, so I'm going to go with Jennifer Hudson for Dreamgirls. It is not Jennifer Hudson. All right, Cam, you're going to get Damn. the fourth and final film. Mm-hmm. It is Juice from 1992. Oh, uh, would it be embarrassing to admit that that did nothing for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I was surprised that this person... is, but I don't know. Yeah, I, was, I did not know that this person was in Juice. So, so your films are Stranger is... Than Fiction, yeah. The Secret Life of Bees, Miracles from Heaven, and Juice. And this person was nominated for a performance in a musical film. I'm just... I'm at a loss. All right. Uh, no points for anybody, but now I will give the final clue, and then you can shout it out. Mm. This person was also in the movie we're talking about on this podcast today. Is it Queen Latifah? It's Queen Latifah. Oh. I can't remember her in Stranger Than she's Fiction. She's Emma Thompson's book agent, who, or uh, she's her uh, editor. She's the oh. one there to make sure that she finishes the book. 
So Chicago is not one of our top rated on IMDb. No, isn't that insane that those because are her top rated? Oh, oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. Sorry, I'm so stupid. This is maybe unfair. I have what if one of if the musical that we're nominated for is not one removed. of those top four? I skipped it. Over. Oh, fair. Yes. Yeah, okay. that makes that makes that's yeah. fair. It's also feature films, and it has to have at least 1,000 ratings. So, like, some of these... Clearly, I need to listen to our listeners and uh, buy into a Stranger Than Fiction episode so that I can remember that Hmm. movie at all. All right. So, uh, who led off with that? Chris, you led off with that? Yes, I did. So, this... All right. So, Cam, you get... This person's top IMDb movie is all about my mother in 1999. (gasps) Uh, oh boy. Oh, egg on my face here. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pass the buck to Chris again. All right, passing to Chris. Chris, the second uh film on their list is Abre los Ojos from 1997. It is Penelope Cruz for 9. For 9. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well that done. happened. Yeah, 9. 9, a movie that everybody should be Italia. able to sleep through once in their life. That is what I will say. The only good performance in 9 is Fergie. Um so, Chris, the next one goes to you. This person's ugh, this person's top-rated film on IMDb is Joker from 2019. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. It's Joaquin Phoenix for Walk the Line. Yes, and can't we all be very disappointed in IMDb for that for a second? Uh, Joker was nine million years ago, and it's about to be a major Oscar nominee. What, yeah. Where does that rank on the IMDb top 100 or 200 or whatever now? It's probably already in the top I was going to say, is, it, is there anything higher than it one? It ranks on boy oy 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 yoing is <laughs> the way that IMDb users <laughs> All right, rank Cam, you're up next. You're, mm-hmm. This person's top rated film on IMDb is Avengers Endgame. Okay, a lot of folks to work with there. Yeah. Hmm. And we have you guys have talked about Oscar nominees and Oscar winners in in this cast. That is true. As well, that is very true. From you, hmm. Chris. Uh, how are how are you how are you doing with this one? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to run through my head of the yeah. million <laughs> of. It's so cruel. <laughs> I wonder if Marissa Tomei counts because technically there's music because she's a stripper. Mm. Wait, in oh, that's in uh, in. Uh, the wrestler. The wrestler. <laughs> there is notably music in that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, yes. Let's let's move on. <laughs> All right. So we'll pass to Chris. Chris, your next film on the list is Avengers: Infinity War. <laughs> oh, oh great! God. Sweet. Um, uh, other Oscar nominees in that movie that have even been in a musical. Oh, Ooh, I have a thought. But keep going. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pass it to you then. All right. Chris passes. Uh, Cam, your next clue is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that threw me off slightly. Um, I was My brain immediately went to Gwyneth Paltrow, who forgot that she was in those films, but she wasn't in Guardians. Glenn Close wasn't in a musical. Oh. Did I say Glenn Close? I meant Gwyneth. You oh. said Gwyneth. But oh, okay. Chris is also no, just making mis- oh, I, I, see, was, I, see. I was joking. <laughs> Um, surely not. Think of your Guardians of the Galaxy. Bradley Cooper. Yes. A Star is Born. And A Star is Born. Well done. All right. Jesus oh, Christ. Thank you. That's, he's a rocket raccoon. His fourth one, you would have got it, was The Hangover, 2009. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Chris believe- File. Wow. This person's top-rated yes. IMDb movie is Platoon, 1986. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. 
can only think of Defoe and Charlie Sheen, and there's gotta be another dude in that movie that is not... Oh, man. Uh, Jeff Bridges is not in that movie, so I'm gonna pass. All right, Cam, your sec- the second film on this person's list is Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Oh. Uh, um, I mean, Johnny Johnny Depp. Sweeney Todd? Yes, well done. Oh, I forgot he was in Blatoon. Points to Cam. All right, so Cam, you're going to start off with this one. Uh, first f- top-rated film on this person's IMDb, Jaws, 1975. Okay. Um, could it be Richard Dreyfuss, Mr. Holland's Opus? No, but that's a very good guess. <laughs> Lots of music. Yeah. Um, Chris, your, the second film on this person's list is The French Connection, 1971. Could it be Roy Scheider for all that jazz? Correct. Well mm, done. Yeah. All right. Um... So it's now Chris gets this one first. All right, Chris, this person's top-rated film on IMDb is The Inevitable Defeat of Mr. and Pete from 2013. Oh. Oh. I don't know what that is. Uh, the rare movie that I genuinely have no idea what that is. Um, lots of those showing up on this, so I'm going to pass. All right, Cam, this person's second top-rated film on IMDb is The Secret Life of Bees, 2008. Get out of here. Okay, so I'm going to go with Jennifer Hudson, Dream Girl. This is Jennifer Hudson in Dream Girl. Uh, All right. What yes. is the incredible defeat of Mr. and Pete? Uh, um, that is now that I know that it's Jennifer Hudson, I know what it is. I'm pretty sure that was an Indie Spirit nominee from a few years ago. It's I like never two saw orphaned it. kids in a city. It's also someone someone's first film um, who, hold on, let me look it up, because it's um, somebody who directed something good this year. Uh, directed it. Hold on. Oh, it's George Tillman Jr.'s uh, previous. Oh yeah, who went to direct um, the Hate You Give last year? Okay. Great. Wow. Wait. Okay. So that was Chris. Uh, Cam, you're going to lead with American Psycho 2000. Okay. This nominee American for a musical Psycho. was in American Psycho. 2000. Mm. Okay, I'm, I've, I've, I've got Christian Bale in my mind. He was not nominated for Newsies. He was not, tragically, <laughs> unnominated yeah, that is for a, Newsies. an oversight. Um, hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to pass. All right. Uh, next film, Chris Pleasantville, 1998. It is Reese Witherspoon for Walk the Line. Reese Witherspoon for Walk uh, the Line. Did not remember her in American Psycho. All right, Chris, you're going to get this first one. It is Get Shorty, 1995. Uh, okay, so that is Danny DeVito, Gene Hackman, uh, uh, um, John Travolta, who we are talking about, um, Rene Russo. That cast is so huge. James Gandolfini. Delroy Lindo. I'm mentioning nothing but people who do not have acting <laughs> nominations. Uh, so I'm going to pass. All right. The next one on this for Cam is Beaches, 1988. Oh. I am mm. also going to have to pass here. That's a blind spot for me. 
All right. I know what it is. Chris, your third movie is Ruthless People 1986. It is Bette Midler for the boys. Oh, yes. Also that. I had... Um, oh. I, I, that also qualifies for uh, through this game. I had The Rose, but yes. Ah, uh, yes. Both The Rose and For the Boys count. The Rose is after... The Rose, one of my favorite performances of all time, uh, is after Saturday Night Fever. Yep, 1979. So. It's like 79, yeah. Yep, she got beat by Sally Field for Norma Ray. Um, Cam, your, your first film in this person's IMDb is Clue, 1985. Ooh, okay. Okay. So let me think through this. Um, uh, Tim Curry immediately comes to mind for Rocky Horror, but that didn't happen. Um. Hmm. Not, not my beloved Madeline Kahn. Uh, pass. Okay. Uh, Chris, the next one as well. Okay. Twin Falls, Idaho, 1999. It is Leslie Ann Warren for Victor Victoria. Yes, correct. Oh, Miss Scarlet that is herself. another blind spot for me. That that film. I mean, I know, I know, I should see it. I'm thoroughly embarrassed. Her other two were Secretary in 2002 and The Limey in 1999. All right. Hmm. Oh wow. Two more. One apiece. Um. So Chris, you're going to lead off with this one. It is Shrek 2001. <laughs> uh, it's Eddie Murphy for Dreamgirls. Eddie Murphy for Dreamgirls. His other four uh, or her other his other three were Mulan 1998. Mr. Church for 2016, a film nobody saw, and Trading Places, 1983. All right, Cam, you're going to wrap it up. Your first, All right. this person's first film on their IMDb is Interstellar, 2014. Oh, and that would be Anne Hathaway for Les Mis. Yes, correct. Her Yay. others are The Dark Knight Rises, Brokeback Mountain, and something called The Cat Returns in 2002, which appears to be a animated film that's got to be like a batman to. special or something i think hmm. no because it's from 2002 i think it's um a uh perhaps a, an animated film from japan that she did a voice vague memories of that hmm. um i left a few on the table one i didn't give you guys which i might just throw up to the two of you guys um first film was who framed roger rabbit 1988 hmm and remember that voice performances count as well. Oh, yeah. So. Their number two movie was Traffic from 2000. Their number three was Carrie from 1976. And their number four was Deconstructing Harry from 2007. Is it Amy Irving for Yentl? It's Amy Irving for Yentl. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. And then this last one. I just recently watched Yentl for the first time. That movie is awesome yeah it's not bad right um all right and then this last one mandy patinkin's body yes mandy patinkin in, in yentl is an underrated an underrated treasure man. uh number one movie men in black three from 2012 <laughs> oh, oh, oh who's the villain in that movie yeah the third one is um is uh flight of the concords it's jermaine clement so Nicole Scherzinger is also in that. Second one is Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Okay, so Rosario is in both? Mm, she's not a nominee, though. Oh, no. No. Hmm. And hold on one second, because I totally mistyped <laughs> what that person's third one is. I'll cut this part out. 
Um, it is cool to be able to go into IMDb and just like filter a person's career in this way, um, mm-hmm. where you just go by uh, IMDb rating and then just like what all just the actress, actor or actress performances in it. All right, so it is. What did I say? Um, hold on. Number one was Men in Black Three. Number two, oh, wait. There we go. Is it Josh Brolin? No, because oh, he's the young Tommy Lee Jones, right? But he yes. doesn't have a. And he's also in Sin City: A Dame to Kill For, so that's good. Uh, Men in Black 3, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, um, Muppets Most Wanted is this person's (laughs) third one. That's a good musical. (laughs) And then Machete Kills was number four. But Milk is not a musical. And that's literally the only other feature film projects besides this person's Oscar nomination. Okay is hmm? i guarantee you two of these are cameos i'm pretty sure men in black and muppets most wanted are cameos and that uh since is it gaga it's lady gaga gaga it's lady gaga all right the germanatas (laughs) that was a lot of game i give you guys a lot of credit okay so played all right back to hairspray um I wanted to talk about the Golden Globes that year because that was the year of the um, the Phantom Globes where the strike mm-hmm. happened and the strike was still going on for the Golden Globes. And everybody had the Oscars as like the finish line of like, we're going to end this strike before the Oscars because everybody wants to have the Oscars. And nobody cared about the Golden Globes. So all of a sudden, like time ticked by and the Golden Globes were here and there was still a strike. So nobody went and they handed out the Golden Globes on a like extended episode of Access Hollywood. It was so sad. That's right. It was just like yeah. on some little like television stage. And and it was and the the bummer of it is you you it's almost a good reason for like why we why we bother with award shows because like so many things happened in that year. That was famously the only year for like years that John Hamm won an acting prize for Mad Men. And like that was the only prize he won for like years and years and years until like the very last year for Mad Men. And it was starting to look like it would never happen. And you realize that like, oh, I've never seen John Hamm give an acceptance speech for this show. And you it's like, oh, we could have if that Golden Globes had happened. But, like, that was the year that, like, Julian Schnabel for The Diving Bell and the Butterfly won the Golden Globe Award for Best Director over, like, yeah. the Coen brothers and Joe Wright and Ridley Scott. And um, Atonement won Best Picture over No Country for Old Men. And um, There Sweeney Will Be Blood. Todd won yeah, over that was Juno. a shock. Right. And Sweeney Todd, yeah. Yeah. And so that was also the year that we're like, Julie Christie was the early best actress front runner, and then ultimately Marion Cotillard overtook her. So, like, that would have been the only time we would have gotten to see Julie Christie give an acceptance speech mm. for her. We could have seen nominee Nikki Blonsky from I, the movie Hairspray. I was going to say, I, I think one of the biggest losers is that Nikki did not have her televised award show moment, you know? Yeah, it was, we didn't it was get her, to see her face up there. I know. It's truly, like, honestly, like, that bums me out because that's, like, a one moment in time kind of a thing. It's like Eddie Vedder won Best Original Song. We could have seen an Eddie Vedder acceptance speech. That would have been cool. 
Um, who else would have been there? Shakira was nominated. She would have been there. John C. Riley for Walk Hard. Yeah. Well, performing Walk Hard. Yeah. Oh. Totally. Totally. Another great musical. Glenn Close oh. won for Damages. I think that was the first of her many awards for Damages. So, like, that would have been cool. Um, I don't know. It's just... It's... Oh, Queen Latifah won uh, an award for television that year for the TV film Life Support. Yeah, so it's a weird little, like, thing to remember. Oh, wait. Travolta was nominated in Supporting at the Globes? Oh, wait, was he? was nominated in Lead. Oh, I did, too. I guess I was wrong about that. That's weird that they nominated him in Supporting. Mm -hmm. So that was among all the other... (laughs) That's funny. I still think there was some confusion there for a while. That's weird to look at that because that means then... It was the same at the Oscars with the exception of Hal Holbrook getting the the Travolta slot, if you want to call it. Essentially, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, because Javier Bardem won that year for No Country for Old Men. He was never not winning that award. Like, that right, was right. the one sort of, like, sewn up. And then Tom Wilkinson for Michael Clayton, so good. Casey Affleck, who is the lead in The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. He is the coward Robert Ford. And... <laughs> Um, coward. It's weird that they put him in supporting because he was the less famous star than Brad Pitt, who like is absolutely a supporting actor in that film. Um, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman, as we said, for yelling a lot, a lot of Aaron Sorkin yelling in Philip Seymour Hoffman's <laughs> performance in Charlie Wilson's War. We're not complaining about it. I'm at least not. I've been with the company for 24 years. I was posted in Greece for 15. Papandreou wins that election if I don't help the junta take him prisoner. I've advised and armed the Hellenic army. I've neutralized champions of communism. I've spent the past three years learning Finnish, which should come in handy here in Virginia, and I'm never ever sick at sea. So I want to know why I'm not going to be your Helsinki station chief. And Julia was nominated for, for Charlie Wilson's War too, which is like one of my favorite, like, it's because she's Julia. Just give her a nomination. Mm-hmm. She's got that big wig on. It's also because she is able to like pull off that like cringing feat of like, separating her eyelashes with a safety pin <laughs> which is its own terror slash award it's true a moment in my career and that was also the year that like supporting actress that year went to a different person at each show where blanchett yes. won for i'm not there at the globes and then ruby d won at the sag awards for american gangster and amy ryan won a bunch of the critics awards for Gone Baby Gone. And then, like, Sersha was nominated right. for Atonement, and everybody was just like, well, that's the the nomination is a reward because she's a kid. But nobody really thought Tilda could win for Michael Clayton until, like... Until, like, the last minute the when last it was like, minute. well, what the fuck is Michael Clayton going to win? Yes. And it ended up being her. And she won BAFTA, too, so it was like, maybe the tide is turning I think that's when, towards yeah. Tilda. That's when people were like, could Tilda possibly win? And everybody's just like... No, like it, everybody, I think it was one of those, like that would be too good. Like that would be too, too good for that to happen. I'm it's so... one of those performances too, that like you realize exactly how good it is when you revisit the movie. Yeah. So it's like, it didn't really like metastasize in terms of the support for Tilda until the very last minute. I'm glad she got that too, because I'm, I'm trying to think like where that could have happened elsewhere in her career. I mean, I know there was some buzz behind we need to talk about Kevin later on, but I'm trying to think where else she could have gotten an award, and it seemed it would have been so weird for her to not have had an Oscar. 
I do feel like if maybe she hadn't, I don't know, maybe not, but maybe if she hadn't won the Oscar already for Michael Clayton, maybe there would have been a little bit more support behind. We need to talk about Kevin, yeah, although he's overdue. Although it could I mean, go the other way around. Support it just like didn't get the nomination because it got all the precursors, if I remember correctly. I think you're right, or at least close to it. I think that's a. I think that was a movie. I was surprised at how much critics didn't rally behind that movie as much as I thought they it's might. It's a movie we could talk about at some point, but I, I, I am still surprised that that movie got as far as it did, being what that movie is in terms of like mainstream Oscar considering that movie yeah that's a good point it is interesting when we talk about musicals that four of the excuse me it's interesting that we talk about musicals that four of the five women nominated for actress in a in a comedy or musical uh were in actual musicals ellen page for juno was the only one who's just there for comedy but it was Mm marion cotillard winning for levian rose amy adams for enchanted Helena Bonham Carter, who, you know, mm-hmm. so many people hated her performance in Sweeney Todd, um, nominated for Sweeney Todd, and then Nikki Blonsky from the movie Hairspray for Hairspray. And obviously Marion Cotillard was probably always winning that. I don't even think Amy Adams had much of a chance there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's kind of funny. I don't know. The, the Helena Bonham Carter of it all, I remember she especially, like, I think the Sondheim purists were the maddest, obviously. <laughs> but there's a I, there's a perverse charm to her in that movie that I find that I can't ever fully hate. Like I get that like when the legacy is like Angela Lansbury and like Patty Lapone, she's a that, much less right, manipulative right. Mrs. Lovett too, yeah. which is like a key characteristic to the role that she is playing that she just like doesn't at all engage that aspect of the character whatsoever it's been a minute since i've watched but the main descriptor i'm like when i think of that role i think i just think of her as horny <laughs> yes yeah. absolutely she's and like mopey horny <laughs> yeah <laughs> my character mrs lovett i will play her as horny and <laughs> that's all there is to it um and not like patty horny no. but like Florence Welch horny, maybe. Helen is an interesting actress in that she will steal scenes from, like, the sidelines. Like, she will underplay a thing, and by underplaying a thing, steal the scene out from under somebody, which I find, like, a really difficult thing to do. Like, when she goes extra, it's never, like, loud extra, Mm -hmm. but it's just, like, it's definitely just, like, snatching scenes out from under people, which I find... Like, she does it on The Crown that way. She does it in... Well, she, she... I don't think she... I think she fully, like, hands Sweeney Todd over to Johnny Depp. I think everybody in that movie sort of does. And that's the decision that that movie made early on and whatever. Um, but I think in a lot of those other Burton movies, she just sort of, like, takes a step back and then just, like, you know, still is the best thing on the screen. I love her. I don't know. She's one of those actresses who just, like, even when she's bad, I love her, so... It's fine. I genuinely love her in an actress roundtable because she is clearly <laughs> the one who has the least fuck to care about being there. Yeah. Uh, another musical we didn't talk about, which was a nominee at the Globes that year for Best Picture Musical or Comedy, was Julie Tamer's Across the Universe, which yeah. is still the reaction to that movie I find so funny, still so funny, because like, 
people just didn't know how to take it whatsoever. <laughs> just like fully just did not. We're just like, what are you like even beyond the fact like, cause ultimately the concept of it seemed very simple, which is a movie, a movie musical where the songs are Beatles songs. And everybody was just like, yes, give it to me. And it's weird that it, like that really kind of lines up with this current trend of movie musicals that are like not quite musicals. They're like biopics, but are sort of jukebox musicals, mm-hmm. which is like what Bohemian Rhapsody was, what Rocket Man certainly was. Um, uh, what you call, I mean, yesterday kind of does that with Beatles songs, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like, right. we're going to sell this movie to you on the fact that it's just like all these Beatles songs. Um, Blinded by the Light did that with Springsteen, I thought, to a really good effect. And I think it's weirdly, it's like, that's how we're doing jukebox musicals as movies now, which is kind of clever. Um, but across the universe, added onto that, like, all this Julie Taymor shit is just sort of just like, how about Beatles, but also all the stuff I was doing in Titus? And it's like, okay. And how about sometimes a plot, but maybe <laughs> only 30% of the time? But, like, the most broad strokes. Every time anybody makes a movie about the 60s, Forrest Gump did it this way. Um, where it's just like, do you always have to just convey the 60s in the broadest strokes possible? Where it's just like, <laughs> I'm a hippie. I'm going to, like, go on drugs and then contract a disease. And it's just like, it's so, I don't know. No, I don't know. Like, at some point, we're still going to get, like, a movie where somebody, like, actually, like, investigates the 60s. But until then, it's just going to be, like, Grateful Dead fans in a microbus and, you know, disapproving parents back at home and Nixon stuff. I don't know. Oh, well, uh, Hairspray's about the 60s, I'll remind you. It is. It welcomes, <laughs> it welcomes you right to the 60s. <laughs> That's a song we didn't mention as one of the great songs. Yeah, it's in fantastic. It is. Well, Everything in that movie. Speaking is so of good. songs, and uh, I, I just briefly wanted to mention, you know, this for this being a musical with some original songs in it, for it to not have broken into the best original song category is a travesty because Ladies' Choice is a certified bop, and there's no other way to put it. Wait, so Ladies', Ladies Choice, Choice was original? Awesome. That was original yes, it for was. the movie. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Was uh, that the Ladies only... Ladies' Choice was, the song in the credits was the song they were campaigning. It was mm-hmm. the Globe nominee. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then New Girl in Town is also a great original song. Wow, they really, say. like, worked it out. Yeah, they did. I mean, justice for Ladies' Choice, though, in my mind, I, I as I was, like, bopping along to these songs these past few days in preparation, I noticed that... There is a like official video upload of Ladies' Choice on YouTube to Zac Efron's Vivo account, and it is the single video credited ah! to Zac Efron's Vivo account. Stop it! So. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, oh, I love to know you. that now. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so before we wrap it up, I just want to go through like other awards that this won. It won two Critics' Choice Awards: one for Best Young Actress for Nikki Blonsky. From the movie from Hairspray. The movie Hairspray. Um, and then one for Best Ensemble. It won actually a lot of ensemble prizes. It won yeah. Critics' Choice Best Ensemble, the Hollywood Film Awards, as bullshitty as that sounds, um, Best Ensemble, Houston Film Critics, Palm Springs International Film Festival, which, again, is a film festival you go to to have a nice vacation. But honestly, <laughs> who could blame anybody? Um, 
and then of course Bonsky enjoyed her time there truly Uh as as somebody who frequently sings the praises of palm springs like yes absolutely Mm -hmm. um and then the aarp movies for grown-ups awards our beloved gave this the award for best grown-up love story to john travolta and christopher walken and i could not agree more an excellent choice that's beautiful i mean i was thinking i was trying to think what else could have even won that and all that was coming to mind was away from her um but right this to a wow actually yes wow maybe away from her would have been a better choice (laughs) i love that like those are like the two poles and one out on one side is away from her and on one side is hairspray and they're both (laughs) correct choices and yet let's really it's just which direction you want to turn and i think the aarp movies for grown-ups awards are a flat circle Um, and then one thing I wanted to sort of throw out to the group, and I know what the answer is going to be, but like, should John Waters get an honorary Oscar? I say yes. I'm assuming you guys. Yes, I say that yes. would never happen in a million years. You don't think it would ever happen. Okay. That's... I don't think they would, because think about the type of movies that he was making. He's such an outsider. He remained an outsider the whole time, even though he's putting Joker on his top 10 now. I was so disappointed. Oh, I didn't um, know. But, like, he's he's an outsider to the industry. I doubt that they would necessarily do it. Whereas even, like, someone like David Lynch had a certain amount of embracing within the establishment. Um, yeah, but, I, yes, John Waters absolutely deserves that. I think my, my rationale was that is this not what honorary Oscars are for? For director or for whatever Film professionals. For people that you're, they would never otherwise recognize. Right. right. But I wonder if also, because like you got a little bit of that, like, I mean, a little bit of that with Spike Lee winning the Governor's Award, or winning the Honorary Oscar a few years ago, before he won his competitive Oscar, which always so nice to see people win uh, competitive Oscars after they won their Honorary Oscar, where it's just like, bet you thought uh-huh. I would never get this. Um, and then Lynch, obviously, this year. But like Roger Corman won a Roger Corman won an honorary Oscar in 2010, and like I think that's a good precedent. That's a good precedent for Waters. I feel like right because he's sort of the predecessor in terms of schlock cinema, schlock, and right. but while also being revered by the industry. I, and it's not like John Waters hasn't worked in the mainstream a few times. I mean, the original Hairspray right. being one of them. Yep. But, like, I mean, even Roger Corman had people like Jack Nicholson working for him. Well, I think that's Corman's big advantage is he had so many yeah. directors who worked under him who ended up becoming, you know, Jonathan Demme or... Um, right. Now I'm blanking on the other sort of Corman disciples. But... um that would go on and like become Oscar-winning directors themselves, and so it's almost like a, you know, then they're going to pull you know Corman in after him, and Waters doesn't have quite that, but I think he's just, I feel like he's so respected in the film community. Yeah, it would be and super think, cool to see. Yeah, more and more, there are more and more people that have just grown up with his movies and cite him as a huge influence. So yeah, I think I think it's within the realm of possibility. Have you ever gotten to interview him, Cam? I have not. Oh, what what a dream that would be! That I definitely would be. have some coworkers that have, and they've done some events with him out of Chicago. But yeah, oh, oh that would be cool. One day. That would be very cool. Anything else we want to say before we wrap up and move into IMDb game? One cast member that we didn't mention: the legend Paul Dooley. At one oh, yeah. moment in this movie, <laughs> looks Michelle Pfeiffer in the face and says, "Fix it." <laughs> fix it. He does the fix it, Steve. Fix it or I quit line to Michelle Pfeiffer. In this Did movie. you bring that up just so I would have to dig up that clip again and put it into uh, Absolutely. the podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Fix 
it, Steve. Take it easy. Fix it or I quit. How about that? I quit and you never see me again. How about that? I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Cam, anything else you want to add about Hairspray or anything about it? I think not, although that did remind me that there are a number of other little cameos in here. I think all the agents that come to see the me- uh, yes. Teen Miss Hairspray show are, it's it's Ricky Lake, it's it's Adam Shankman, it's Mark Shaman, it's yeah, there's there's fun cameos there in that scene for sure. Yeah, which actually I did I did jot this down in the notes that Harvey Firestein, I guess he has a vocal cameo in one of the end credits songs, mm. but he doesn't show up on on in the film and has sort of famously distanced himself from it. He was asked about it on Watch What Happens Live once, and he sort of was just like, I've yeah, never seen right. it, and it's none of my business, and sort of sort of alluding to the idea that either he disapproved of them making a movie of it or how they made the movie of it or him maybe not getting to star in it. But um, I don't know. I feel like I'm glad that we can appreciate two things at the same time, the film version of it and the stage musical while not letting one diminish the other. Yeah. And I do love Harvey Firestein and Harvey Firestein gave us the rare, perfect film performance of all time, which I'm of course talking about his scene in Mrs. Doubtfire where they make over (laughs) Robin Williams, which is one of the f- one of the rare perfect scenes in all of cinema. It is That's so beautiful, <laughs> yeah, so beautiful. Honey, it's I'm so, so happy. Great, perfect line reading. Daniel, hi. Could you make me a woman? Honey, I'm so happy. Perfect. Per- so much of it when perfect. he just goes. It's not working. I need to go older. Older? You mean like uh, Shelley Winters older or Shelley McLean older? What's the difference? Some scotch tape and red hair dye. What about Joan Collins? Oh, I don't think I have the strength. Oh, God. I love you, Harvey Firestein. And I saw him off-Broadway recently. He was doing a one-man, not quite a one-man show, but like a, a, yeah, he's the only person in it. I don't know. One-man show, I always assume, is like some big, like, autobiographical, whatever. Um, But he's just playing Bella Abzug in this movie, or in this this play about Bella Abzug running for Senate. And it's so pitched to exactly the audience that you think it's pitched (laughs) to, but it's perfect. And it's just, I really, getting to see him on stage in anything was wonderful, so I was glad I did it. All right. I think it's time to move into the IMDb game, and I'm going to very quickly bring up the one I picked because I left that mm. screen. And while I do that, I Chris, do you want to explain what the rules at home? Yes. Yeah, what the rules are of the IMDb game. Please. Every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says that they are most known for. If any of these titles are television or voiceover work, we mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles released years as a clue. If that's not enough, it's just a free-for-all of hints from there on out. Cam, hmm. normally, as we typically allow our guests to pick the movie we let them pick the order of the imdb game (laughs) since we've already forced you into doing hairspray we are also forcing the order upon you uh Mm. listeners of our last week's episode will remember that we try joe and i both tried to give each other jessica beale and we are (laughs) sandwiching that now and your challenge is jessica beale okay jessica beale um and there is no no television okay no television Okay, um, this is horrifying. I'm maybe this is terrible that this is the very first thing that is coming to my mind. But 
is stealth one of her top four? <laughs> stealth is not one of her number oh, four. Oh, no, you guys. I think I'm screwed. Okay, stealth. Uh, <laughs> a great What's funny movie. is, like, the photos that show up on, like, her little grid of photos above her known four, at least two of them are from stealth. Because <laughs> it's, like, as military it garb. Hmm. This is such a tough one for me. Um, the only other thing that is immediately coming to mind is that uh, that forgotten movie that I think ended up getting the title nailed. Um, <laughs> where, that's how we Jake got Gyllenhaal. here. Oh, oh, that's so funny. Okay. Um, hmm. This is uh, a shame, but I think I'm going to have to hear the... You know, this is so much harder when I'm sitting. With I will take nailed slash accidental love as the second guess, and I will give you your years. Okay. We have 2006, 2007, 2003, and 2012. Okay, so 2012 being the most recent. Oh. 2012, I will say, is a remake. Okay. okay. There are two remakes on here. Interesting. Um, not going off that clue, but is one of them I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry? No. What? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm doing terribly. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, remakes. None of these are voice work. No, no voice work, no television. Um, the 2012 remake, she is one of two women on the poster of this remake. Okay. Uh, again, not going off that clue, but is one of them Valentine's Day? None of them oh, are Valentine's no. Day. <laughs> oh, I'm drowning, um, I'm drowning. Uh, uh, I'll stick with the 2012 for you. Okay. It is a science fiction action remake oh. that... Um, yes, I, I definitely know this, but I, it's just not in my brain right now. Um, with Colin Farrell. Yes. And it is... Originally the, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, the Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger remake. Um... Why am I completely blanking on the title? <laughs> this is a crash it, and burn. Uh, uh, you can't uh, recall. Uh, you can't recall the the title of the movie. I, I oh total recall. <laughs> it's total recall. <laughs> How apt and terrifying. <laughs> okay, I, I will give you the 2003 remake. We'll go on to that one next. Okay. She was the star of this remake. Like, she was the headliner. This is the only movie on her known for that she is mm-hmm. definitely the first built person. If I told you that did nothing for me, would you be disappointed? No, <laughs> because it's a terrible movie. It's a horror remake. Oh, 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 that says everything. It's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. All right. Uh, we'll go to the 2006 movie, which is a decent movie. It is an Oscar-nominated movie. It had one craft nomination. It came along at the same time that there was a very similar movie that also got an Oscar nomination. That it was like, there's two movies about... This type of profession that is mystical. Okay, she is in the um, the Edward Norton, uh, the Illusionist. 
Yes, the illusionist. Um, okay, the final one. Thank you for walking, like, holding my hand through this. No, 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 no. You got it. You got it on your own. It's totally you. Um, the hints for the next one. And what year is um, this again? 2007. Okay. So the year after the illusionist. Yep. Once again, she is one of two women on a poster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good for her. Um, opposite... Uh, two Oscar winners. The male is known for being in very, very terrible movies. This was like the second beginning of his terrible, terrible, terrible movies that he never came back from. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is uh, known for the bees. Oh, bees. Nick Cage. Okay. Yes, it's a Nicolas Cage movie. Um, it is the one about the end of the world with Julianne Moore. Uh, it is Julianne Moore, but I don't believe it's the end of the You're world. You're mixing up two Nicolas Cage movies. I yeah, yeah, yeah. You're this thinking of the knowing. It starts with the same syllable. The same syllable as knowing. Yes. No. <laughs> no. This is uh, just just the N sound. Yeah, just the N. Oh, oh, same. Okay. Mm. This is so funny because this is very much something that came out in that time when I saw absolutely everything. So you know, <laughs> I'm picturing I'm picturing the DVD case on the shelf of Family Video. I'm picturing Julianne Moore and Nick Cage and even Jessica Biel. Uh, and yet nothing is coming to mind. It's really it is bad. the next thing that will come to your mind. It is the next, next thing that will come to your mind. The next... Is it the next something? <laughs> it's called next. Oh, it's just called next. <laughs> oh, guys. Can, oh, I, can I back up to the illusionist book. for one second and to Please. mention that um, the cinematographer for the illusionist, who was nominated for like a Cinematography Guild Award and for an Oscar for cinematography, is the great... Emmanuel Lubezki... For Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, Robert Yeoman for the Grand Budapest Hotel, Lukasz Yal and Richard Lenchowski for Ida, Dick Poop, Dick Pope for Mr. Turner. Oh. Yes, Dick Poop. Our favorite. Congrats to Dick. Congrats to Dick Poop. You know, it's a real bummer that we won't have Cheryl Boone Isaacs <laughs> at this Academy Award announcement to have the two poops. Yes. <laughs> you know it would be somewhere in the back of her mind being like, don't say it, don't say it, don't, don't say, say it, it, don't say it. Don't say the two poops, don't say the two poops. <laughs> yes. Inevitably, <laughs> like, she would baby say Baby Yoda, like, nudges her. And she's like, the two, <laughs> the poops. two poops. I mean, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Baby Yoda. Just the one poop. <laughs> All right. Well, I Pam, that. I think that is an admirable job. <laughs> Jessica Beale was probably evil to throw on a guest. Jessica Beale's tough. <sighs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, there's... She's just, she's always been around. and Look, we know. all know I her think... best for I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry as well. So truly... And stealth. <laughs> still. Still, truly, that's her legacy, is I Now yeah. Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. All right, oh, so Bojack um, Horseman should be up there. It should be. So you have? Do you have one for me though, Cam? Do you have an actor um, to torture sure. me with? Okay, I do. I would love to give you. I thought this would be a fun one. I would love to give you um, none other than Vanessa Hudgens. <gasps> oh. oh, dang! Is there any television? <laughs> There's not, but it feels like a trick answer. Is one of them like High School Musical three? 
You are spot on. Okay. All right. Okay. But everything else I is like film. This. Is one of them Spring Breakers? Correct. Okay. I'm running out of runway here. I'm running out of Vanessa Hudgens <laughs> yeah. movies. Um, Vanessa Hudgens. The Hudge. Um, oh, is one of them that Netflix movie um, from last year? With the Maybe it was about Christmas or maybe it was about a prince? Yeah, well, it is a, kind of about both. The Princess Switch, I think you're thinking of? Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. That is not one of them. Not and one that of kind them. of had me thinking, like, are Netflix movies showing up? Right? I've never seen a Netflix movie in the IMDb I've never game. seen a Netflix movie. Investigate that, journalist. Yes. Find some, this could the be the year that. that breaks it because of, like, the Irishman right. marriage we'll story. See. We will see. But I've never seen a Netflix movie. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Maybe... Maybe they're not as popular as we thought they were on IMDb. Okay. Um, well, I don't know what so you mean. Every Netflix movie has been watched by 42 million viewers. <laughs> I learned about it in a press release from uh, from Netflix. Okay. Um, what else is she in, though? Yeah, these are There tough. is a key example that is not on her, or her known for, that I'm furious is not on her known <laughs> for, that you are not guessing yet. Huh. Okay. I keep going to, like, the live TV musicals is the problem. Um, she was also in Machete Kills. Is, she in Mach- is that one of them, Machete Kills? <laughs> it is not, but that's a good guess since we had mentioned it earlier. Okay, so that's two wrong, so I at yes. least get years. So your years are 2011 and 2012, which notably is the year of Spring Breakers, if, if that helps in any way. 2011 and 2012... Is one of them Band Slam? No. Wow. Interesting. It's not that. No. Um, uh, I will tell you that the 2012 is a sequel. Oh. Um, it is a sequel that replaced the headlining star, but not mm-hmm. the young supporting star. Yeah, that's that's it. Oh. It's definitely an upgrade. It replaced the main star... But not the young supporting star. Yes. This to me screams. Well, it's very of the moment, and that I felt like this was a movie that was um, really pushing the 3D angle, if mm-hmm. that helps. The huh. first one was too. The first one came out like right after or right before Avatar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Not Alice in Wonderland. No. Scrape closer to the bottom of the barrel of what we're talking about. Oh, um, um, is it one of those like, um, I'm lost in the jungle, but it's not Jumanji? Yes, is Um, it? It stars a Jumanji star. Journey to the center of the earth. The sequel to that. Oh, oh, um, oh, right. It was Journey to the Mysterious Island. Correct. Yeah, that was so. I cannot tough. believe you got that. Okay, okay, all right. And unfortunately, the next one is also difficult. I will say, as a clue, if you'd like another clue, this yes, is 2011. Please. We're talking about. Okay. You brought up Alice in Wonderland. She's obviously not in that, but that made me think of the general sphere of Disney movies and remakes. Now, this is very pointed. It is a riff a Disney on remake. Genre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. This is a genre take on. Something Disney. Is she like 
a, a lead in this or is she like in the yes. in the vast supporting cast she's the lead she's a co-lead i feel like this from what i remember this was one of the first things she had led outside of outside of the high school musical movies I believe that is true. Oh, I know what this is. I saw this in the theater. This is... <laughs> this is. I would have paid money to have bet that you saw this. <laughs> is this famous Mary-Kate Olsen witch movie, Beastly? Oh, it sure is. Yes! yes! Ah, I also saw that trash in the theater. I saw that in the theater. Oh, remember the Alex Pettifer era? Remember that? <laughs> wow. No, honestly. Don't get me down another fucking rabbit hole of blonde oh my god yeah that's not that's <laughs> he could never hang with charlie hunnam and garrett Hedlund. i would also like the listeners to note that joe has been constantly tweeting about charlie hunnam baiting me <laughs> to say stop it okay but did you know that in triple frontier they play brothers who have completely different accents just wildly like Charlie Hunnam is from six different countries it. at once in that movie, and they are brothers. It is crazy pants. Um, that movie is not good. Okay, Chris, I have chosen for you. We talked about the Golden Globes, the 2007 Golden Globes, which didn't happen, unfortunately, because as I mentioned, Julie Christie won the award for Away from Her, and well deserved it was. So I thought to it pay has- her back, we're going to force you to guess her known for. So, wow. Julie okay. Christie. Um, multiple Oscar winner, Julie Christie. I'm going to say away from her. That is one of them. Mm. That is one of them. She's only won the one Oscar, I'm pretty sure. I don't think that her Oscar win, because it's for, is it for Darling? Her Oscar win is for Darling. It is her only Oscar win. I don't, uh, I'm not going to jump to that being on there. McCabe and Mrs. Miller? No. Surprisingly, no yeah, McCabe and Mrs. Surprising. Miller. Zhivago. Hmm. Uh, yes, Dr. Zhivago is on there. Okay, I will... Uh, McCabe is Mrs. Uh, uh, yeah, I should just guess her Oscar win. It's uh, Darling. It is Darling, yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, well there's done. got to be something stupid on there. <laughs> um Finding Neverland. No, I might have guessed that, but it is not that. Okay, so that is too wrong. You're, uh, uh, I, I thought there would be something really dumb. Your missing year is 1966, so the year after she won her Oscar. Well, that's not going to help me. It's not going to help you. Mm-mm. I would have guessed um, Troy, and I would have been certain that Troy would have showed she, up. Uh, yeah, yeah. She was in a Far From the Matting crowd, but I think that was later than... That year, that was sixty-seven. So you're right in oh. the area. You have now you have now named the movie before this and after this because the one right before this is Zhivago. Oh great! Um, Don't look now was later. Shampoo was later. Correct. You are painting the negative hmm. space of her career. I'm just thinking of a bunch of like seventies and eighties. Yeah, back it up. Uh, if if uh, I may, if, if if you're not, if you're feeling ready for some hint of a clue, yes, please. I think please, like please, please. maybe this is showing up in the top four because this has been 
remade somewhat recently. It's a good hint. There's a new version of it. That's a good hint. Okay. That's the only reason I can imagine why this would be showing So this up. is famous. Like, I should know what this is. If but... you don't know the movie, you know the source material. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Source material, play, book. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's also directed it's by a Madden very famous director. Okay. For, especially for that era. Did not realize this was <laughs> Neither did I. Case. I had no idea. <laughs> Do I realize this? <laughs> uh, you might not. I don't know. I don't know what you. I don't know what you know. I think. I think in some ways you're smarter about this kind of stuff than I am. I think I don't know what this is. Okay, it's like a book you probably read, if not in high school, then like mm-hmm. in college. Yeah, but like more high school sci- than college. Gatsby. Sci-fi. No. Yeah. Think sci-fi. Think yes. Think more dystopian. Mm-hmm. Uh. Mm, uh. Is she in a Fahrenheit 451 movie? <laughs> yes. I almost said Fahrenheit I, You did almost say Fahrenheit 911. Yes, Fahrenheit 451, directed by, do you want to hear, Francois Truffaut. What the fuck? Yeah, what? Right. 1966. Okay. It's only uh, was nominated for one BAFTA award for Julie Christie, which she shared with Dr. Zhivago. So, like, that's more of a Dr. Zhivago nomination. Get the hell out of town. And it played at the Venice Film Festival. Francois Truffaut's Fahrenheit 451. Well, I did predict that there would be something stupid on there. <laughs> there we go. I wonder if it just got like terrible reviews. Now I kind of want to look it up and like find out what happened to it. Yeah, eh, something. All right. Anyway, well done with the tricky, tricky Julie Christie IMDb game. That's everything, you guys. Cam, I can't say how happy we are oh, that you it's joined us. Been the joy of a lifetime. Week. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. You guys. It's been so wonderful having you. And hairspray. We kind of just strong armed oh. you into the movie, but hopefully you would have chosen it anyway. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if if anything, well, I, I just hope that all the listeners are inspired to revisit because it's still just as charming as it as it was when it first came out. A thrifty one ninety nine rental on yeah. Amazon Prime. I will tell you. Worth it. So hopefully that lasts until the time that you guys are listening to this. <laughs> Uh, that is our episode, though, you guys. If you want more This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Cameron, where would you like to direct our listeners? Um, I am on social Twitter and Instagram at, at Cameron Sheets, my name. That's S-C-H-E-E-T-Z. I almost mis- misspelled my last name there. Wow. <laughs> um, and, I yeah, I produce a bunch of uh, videos and video interviews for the AV Club, so you can check those out on the avclub.com and then yeah if if i don't know what the overlap the venn diagram is of uh hardcore oscar fans and riverdale viewers but on the off chance that you're listening to this and you do also watch riverdale well i have a riverdale recap podcast for the av club called dial m for maple so seek that out as well you should watch his celebrity interviews Dang. and watch celebrity after celebrity just fall madly in love with Cam. Oh, it is gee. you oh, had boy. Dolly Parton ready camera to like on camera <laughs> yes you had Dolly Parton ready to adopt you and the take joy her back of my to Dollywood watching Dolly in that interview it with is you it's so good she was fantastic and i'm just like so thrilled that i have someone that i can go home for the holidays and talk to any family member about having met and they'll be thrilled about and they'll it. and they, so. first of all that they'll know who they are that's the yes. that's like that's so good that's gold in your pocket right there absolutely uh, <laughs> so good uh chris file where can the listeners find you and your stuff 
Uh, you can find me um, uh, dancing on the Corny Collins show and also on Twitter <laughs> at Chris V. File. That's F-E-I-L. Also on Letterboxd under the same name. I also write regularly for the film experience. Uh, please also be submitting to our mailbag episode. You have another week to send your questions to us. You can either tweet at us at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz or you can email us at hadoscarbuzz at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, I am on Twitter at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. I'm also on Letterboxd as Joe Reed. Reed is spelled the exact same way. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. A five-star review in particular really helps us out with Apple Podcast visibility. So come on, you Von Tussles, go and shake your fanny muscles and say something nice, won't you? Thank you. That is all for this week. We hope you will be back next week for more buzz. You can't stop my happiness because I like the way I am. And you just can't stop my knife and fork when I see a Christmas ham. So if you don't